Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to Podcast 119. I'm Dan Moyland and fresh from flogging our fanzine out on the streets of Beeston, here's Michael Normanton. I've got to confess I was in a pub. You didn't sell the fanzine? No. I gave I saw some young boys who were selling it. Your attitude towards young men then is as bad as Chelsea's is, as we've seen in the news this week. And fresh from flogging whatever it is that he flogs on the streets of Beeston, here's Daniel Chapman, Moscowite. Uh, it's all used up now. There's not much left to sell. A departure from our usual recording time, which is normally on a Monday night. We've come straight into the studio after the Bolton game. Uh, a wash with adrenaline, uh, hence why Michael's been in the pub. Have you recovered from that game yet? Mm, just about now. I've calmed down. How, were you um, still zen-like, Moscow? Or were you? I know. I know you were very. You were very relaxed about the Swansea game. Samuel Miobi's shot with about mm. thirty seconds left. After we had spent a long time just giving Bolton the ball outside our box was like the culmination of me not being very zen at all. Managed to sort of keep a, a lid on the stress too much because the outcome of the season is already decided. We're finishing third and losing in the playoffs. So I don't really need to worry about what happens till then. But yeah, the the five minutes of injury time did make that difficult. Well, we have got a huge week coming up, which we'll preview in just a bit. Lots of pettiness to get through ahead of all that. New issue uh, seven of our fanzine came out versus Swansea and we're all done with that one now. We've got another one against West Brom, haven't we? Because mm-hmm. of Sean Harvey and his uh, tampering with our calendar. Uh, that'll be out on sale for the West Brom game on Friday. And if you'd like to read that and all the back issues going back to 2009, grab a digital magazine subscription from our website. Works out at a quid a month. Find it at the squareball.net. Another three points in the bag then, chaps, towards our glorious promotion bid. Well, we ended the game second. We're not at the minute because we're recording at the time that Sheffield United are playing at West Brom, currently winning, but we will keep that updated. This is exciting. It's like real-time scores. Of course, listening, you're going to know exactly what's happened, but we don't yet, which is thrilling. We could be in for a beautiful surprise. I don't know if either result really helps us, surprises us in a good way. We're just going to end up disappointed. We want draws. Yeah, but draws are just the ultimate disappointment in football anyway. So I think we're just, we're destined for sadness if we pay too much attention to that game. And all we can do really is just concentrate on ourselves, on our own game, get in our own points, win our own games, and we will go up. Or we'll lose them and drop to six. Spoken like a true Leeds fan, that one. We're going to go up. Stay positive. Stay positive. Can you give me some money if we don't? Just to, <laughs> just to soften the blow. If you're confident, I think it's the least you could do. It was a very leadsy performance, this one, given that Norwich had thumped them 4-0. It raised our expectations and we made a lot heavier weather of it. But it's just so leads as well to have a side that was played off the park by Norwich to come and play the game of the season against us. It was one of those that on paper you thought, if we can get an early goal, we'll be absolutely fine. It'll only be an issue if they can cling on and then, you know, they can they can be as negative as they want then, trying to 
grind out a nil-nil. But then you took the lead and you thought, ah, this is fine now. We'll probably go on and get two or three. Nice, easy stroll. Um, and then we just conceded a ridiculous goal. I've not seen it back yet. It seemed like Calvin Phillips tried to clear it about five times and they just kept pinging it back in until eventually it went in. Yeah, they just kept wanging it at our goal until eventually all our players were on the floor and the net was empty. That made it a lot easier for them to put it in, but it came from uh, failing to defend a corner. I know our goals were a penalty and a sublime, precise chip, but we are suffering a little bit from not being able to actually defend a set piece at all. There was Kiko had to make a, at least one really good save from a header from a corner, mm-hmm. a free header as well. And there was a volley that was like, you can't have a, a ball just going mid-height into the box and somebody being able to volley it first time direct off a corner like an inch wide. Um, that sort of stuff is all right if Kamar Roof is going to score 20 goals a game at the other end. But without that, we need to tighten up against Bolton. Bolton. There was one um, set piece as well where I noticed Alioski ended up marking Donaldson. And you just you just think this isn't how it should be. I think Bielsa loves a little mismatched markup. I'm sure I've seen uh, uh, Shackleton going up against some absolute behemoths. And just maybe it's just to confuse them. They don't know what they're doing if they're being marked by an actual child. Berardi versus Crouch in that opener was a thing of beauty, I have to say. <laughs> and there was the Middlesbrough match where he went between two of uh, Middlesbrough's attackers and, and completely disappeared from the camera perspective. <laughs> it was as if Berardi had just gone into a, some kind of other dimension and was no longer there between them both. They're a big team though, Bolton. I did notice that. They were just physical all over the pitch. and I mean, very slow. They didn't have any pace in the team as far Vulgar. as I could see. Vulgar. It was very vulgar trying to win games just by being big. There should be divisions like boxing. I can't remember which game it was a few weeks ago, but I was angry about a similar thing where we would be trying to tackle them and our players would just bounce off and were very easily dispossessed as well. Someone like him, matches click. It was very good in this game, but he is quite easy to just knock off the ball. And we've not got that hard man destroyer. Phillips nearest that we we have but um in ahead of that it's just a bunch of like soft pansies really soft pansies who are taking us up and um, posh boy and pablo now even imagining the accents going on in this what a, a glorious little squabble that was about this penalty how do you imagine that conversation went i think tyler roberts had a hand in it as well it was a three three-way tussle for the penalty taking rights that was won by the boy with the privileged upbringing who always gets everything his own way, really. (laughs) My mummy says, I'm taking this penalty and that's that. Give me the ball. Go away, brats. I think Bamford in this game, I think he needs to be a bit more of a bastard, to be honest. Because he's quite, he's a big physical sort of guy, but he's not, he doesn't really upset people enough. I'd like to see him getting a bit more, a bit more angry. I notice he's quite good at winning balls that you wouldn't think he's favourite to. Like he'll Mm. get a the defender looks like they're going to clear it quite comfortably and he'll get in there, but he does it by surprising them with a step over and something like mm-hmm. that. So it'll be some little bit of skill that gives him the ball and then they just kind of, they just push him over and that's basically that. I think if we can end up staying inside the European Union, I think that might be the thing that turns Bamford. He'll get all angry about it and he'll, <laughs> he'll play with renewed fire in his belly. I was just going to ask you, do you think Patrick Bamford's ever got genuinely angry, like properly angry in his life? But there, you've just answered that question. I reckon that could be it. There's probably a tax increase under the Labour government at some point that really upset him. I mean, you thought that posh boy scrap was uh, was going to be as tasty as it got, but Parkinson getting sent off, that was a good giggle, wasn't it? That was a bit of a hoot. I am very much in favour 
enjoying all the changes that have been introduced in football over the years. Actually showing a red card to a manager is wonderful. I really enjoyed, and I think the referees, you get the right ones, they really enjoy it as well. I mean, all the years. Mike Dean. Him in particular, but uh, if you think of all the referees over the years, looking at the game now and thinking, God, I could have gone and shown Neil Warnock a red card, actually waving it in his face, brandishing it. How that? Colin. Yeah, because not giving the card, the physical act of pointing to the stand, it, it, it takes something away from it. There's a little bit of uncertainty there, whereas it's a very definite thing, isn't it? And it must just feel so good just going up to a manager who maybe doesn't expect it because managers, whenever they get sent off, and there's a little bit of that with Parkinson, they always go, moi? You're, you're sending me off? But I'm the manager. You can't do that. Send off one of the players. And being able to just relish it with the red card, so there is no doubt whatsoever... On the clip of this, you can see Parkinson's going to, he gets shown the red card and he, he's desperate to have a bit of a chip back at the referee and sort of get his word in. And the ref just shows him it and turns his back and you see Parkinson and go, but hey, oh, I'll go. Turning his back reminds me of a weird thing I noticed just before kickoff where Bielsa went over to the Bolton uh, technical area to shake hands with Phil Parkinson. And just as he was arriving to Parkinson's right, Parkinson turned his back and faced the cop. He had it and, coming. He had it coming then, didn't and he? Bielsa really? just came up and stood behind him, and he's left standing there for like about five seconds, so with his hand out, not sure whether to be like go push him on the back, like, oi, fuck face, turn round, and he ended up just standing waiting there politely until Parkinson eventually turned back, and he's like, oh, I didn't see you there. And at the time, I thought maybe deliberate mistake. Perhaps he was just it's looking. It's a dick move because he's a dick. <laughs> My, Michael has since put the other point of view. You don't like Phil Parkinson much, do you? I don't really know why. I don't. I can't think of anything he's done to offend me in the past. Really, I just think he's a. I think if he was doing stuff like that, just slightly knobbish things that he thinks he's gaining some advantage from, like I'm going to show him who's boss by pretending not to see him. And and in this after the game, he was complaining about the whole scrap that broke out, and he's saying, "Oh, Jansen ran in from from yards away to and made things worse," which he did. Which he did. But then how did Parkinson counter this? By running in to make things worse again. And was he flicking the bird at him as well after he'd been sent off? I like that. That's petty. So. Yeah, that is petty. Uh, and meanwhile, when it did all kick off, there's, if you watch it back, Marcelo Bielsa beautifully just walks over to where Alioski is lying on the touchline, apparently dead, but obviously fine. And you've got 30 people having a fight in the background and he's going, bueno, is my player okay? oblivious to all the chaos. He really does exist. You talk about me having a Zen state at the end of some of Leeds games. He does exist in his own completely different plane to the rest of us. Quick nod for Click as well for going over and pouring water on that Bolton chap. That's what absolutely, it, it not, I've not really seen a clip yet that, that brings across how angry it was uh, Joe Williams that he poured the, the water on got over this, but from my vantage point, I could see this Bolton player going absolutely crazy about something with multiple people trying to hold him back. And he was throwing things and trying to throw punches and all sorts. And it was one of those where you're curious to know what's kicked it off, whether something's been said, whether, you know, something's happened out of your eye line. And to find out that it's matches click, just strolling over and pouring some water over his head in the ultimate, I think you should calm down, mate. <laughs> but I'm going to do this to make you go ballistic gesture. And then walking away as you say, what's the problem here? Wonderful. Well played, Click. In good faith or not? Oh, in the worst faith possible, <laughs> pouring a bottle of water over somebody's head um, to try to calm them down. No, I mean, we'll probably be fined another £200,000, but uh, in this case, it'll actually be worth it. 
course, you mentioned our little uh, beautiful Macedonian prince with his gorgeous hair and his uh, can-do attitude scoring that uh, second half winner, which was entirely intentional. I noticed him biting the ball before he took a corner today as well. <laughs> He's an odd, odd man. Picked it up and you can see, because he sometimes kisses it, but mm. I think this was definitely a bite. And I think maybe that's the way he can go. Sometimes a kiss, sometimes a bite. You don't know what you're going to get from him. You remember that clip of him uh, biting Pablo Hernandez's stomach before they, they took yeah. a free kick as well? Yes, he is a law unto himself. <laughs> and I really, really like him. Was he raised in the wild or something, do we think? <laughs> raised by a pack of dogs or something. <laughs> yeah, he just has absolutely no respect for anybody or anything that's happening. You've been breastfed by a, a dog until the age of seven. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, the whole thing about it kicking off with this brawl on the touchline was because of Alioski had just scored that uh, incredible goal. And I think it was kind of retribution. The players decided to absolutely smack him on the touchline just because probably had enough of him before he scored. And then when he did score and then did the whole ostentatious uh, celebration routine. Was it tongue, love heart, knee slides? Well, he did all of that. And then he, he had to get um, all the players in the line to do this uh, this dancing thing that they've all started doing. Yeah, and I think Bolton mentality was just like, right, going to do him now. He seems to attract that. Can't, can't think why. What is that silly celebration about, by the way? Do we know? I've no idea. If you're out there, Janny, I know you use Twitter, or at least your your management team does. Stop making fancy motivational graphics of yourself. Tell us what this celebration's all about. You could start making uh, little highlights reels of our young keepers, couldn't you? And maybe um, putting them out, like you did, for example, when uh, you know when <laughs> Bailey Peacock Farrell was coming through. Let's not Last shoehorn this in now when I'm celebrating the life of Gianni Alioski. Last year. None of this. Last year when he was going to replace Vida Valds. Let's use it as an excuse though to just say how abysmal their goalkeeper was for this, this second goal. Because I think it, it must be deflected. It's, it's quite hard to tell even from the replay. But he's got so much time to watch where it's going and he mm. ends up just laying in the back of the net. It's almost like it wasn't supposed to go there so he didn't expect it to, if that makes sense. Mm. But he, he still had plenty of time to watch it in the sky. But what he hadn't counted on was Alioski's little, the element of backspin and swerve that he deliberately put on to this shot. And that's what fooled him. I don't think any keeper in the land was saving that once it started to drop because uh, the trajectory was like a uh, few things anybody has seen in football. <laughs> you remember Roberto Carlos's free kick that swerved it went about 20 feet outside the goal and then back inside the post. This was a little bit like if you took that and then ch- changed it from horizontal to vertical, I think that was Alioski's goal today. It's a very generous reading of it. I would suggest that about 99 out of 100 professional goalkeepers would have saved that. You don't think Bailey Peacock-Farrell would have done, though, do you, Moscow? Because you would have made a video pointing it out probably <laughs> at some stage. Move on. Um, Roberts was good, wasn't he? Tyler Roberts, I thought he had a good game. He's very good. He's not the player I thought we'd signed. I don't know from the clips of him before we signed him. He looked kind of like a more direct number nine type, but he's become a number 10 somehow. But he's very good at it. Well, that's Marcelo, isn't it? He just turns him into what he wants. There was talk of him when he was leading the line at Walsall that he'd been bullying League One defenders and I was expecting some kind of brutish target man. Um, but instead he's all uh, dancing feet and tippy-tappy passing inside the box, which um, is fine. Can't help but wonder what difference it would make if he just absolutely twatted it at the goal now and then. But that goes for half the team, in fact. Not for Pablo as well, pulling all the strings today. I think about 95% of the chances that we got were somehow involving Pablo. He was fantastic. 
And we had a lot of chances. We did create a lot of stuff today. We were, I think, because Bolton is so shit and because the result was so narrow and because we ended up defending, like with their keeper in our box in the sixth minute of injury time, which I'll come on to in a moment, it kind of is getting a little bit lost that we did actually build, this is the, the Bielsaism, is that we, we built our attacks well down the left. It was just a problem with actually getting the ball into the box and finishing. We were having multiple little tippy-tappy passes and some head tennis at one point. The shorthand is, it was like Arsenal used to be when they'd be just, everybody's trying to tee up everybody else for a shot and nobody else will actually shoot. The corner, I was going to mention, did you notice, end of the first half, we had a, was a shot, I can't remember who, it was deflected out for a corner and the referee blew up and said, no, mm-hmm. it's half time. And then in injury time at the end of the game, Bolton had um, a shot saved out for a corner. And I was expecting, right, referee, we're in the 96th minute of uh, 95 minutes of uh, time you said we're going to play. Are we going to blow up? No, we're going to let their keeper come up. And it took Pontus Janssen to basically win the game by clearing that um, that header, clearing that corner, sorry. But it was um, unfair yet again. And while I'm on this, I don't know who uh, the woman was who was sitting behind the, the Leeds United dugout, between the two dugouts, some sort of club official. She has a clipboard and a headset and a microphone. But to the uh, to the fourth official, Scott Duncan, leave her alone. She don't fancy you, mate. She's, do- <laughs> she's doing her job. Stop chatting up Leeds United employees while uh, the game is going on and there's fights breaking out. Concentrate on that. You're a referee. She's not interested. It's not not going to happen. EFL officials just get worse and worse. We should, on that, mention we did get a penalty in this game. It was given. <laughs> Rightfully. I mean, it it was the most obvious penalty you'll ever see. If this isn't given, then I think the club have got full rights to start writing letters and having strikes and things. So, strikes. A strike. <laughs> Refuse to play games. So there's no point. Go and join that girl who sat outside is it the Swedish parliament protesting climate change. We'll just, everybody off up there. We're not playing anymore. We're going to go and sit out here till we get a Nobel Prize. But yeah, nice to get a penalty. It was, and uh, uh, nice to see it scored as well. Left foot, Bamford sent him the wrong way. And I I think somebody said that him and Tyler Roberts at least straightened it out afterwards. They're like, okay, cool. Doesn't matter who takes it, as long as we score. Pablo Hernandez probably still seething in the background, furious that he didn't get to do it. But uh, I was happy Bamford took it because I thought there's a player who needs a goal, kick him off, and then he could score six more against Bolton today. Didn't quite work out that way, but three points are three points, aren't they? He kind of feels on the verge of scoring goals, does Bamford. He's came mm-hmm. close a few times and he's... I, I like him. He just kind of lacks that little bit of sharpness maybe at the minute. Yeah, but I think he, I think he will come good. It's weird because he had that sharpness in the uh, game where he came back against Bolton away, came on, scored, and then was immediately injured again. But he looked like that was a really good finish that he's not quite, because it was a really good chance crossing from the six yard box as well in the second half that he ended up just not quite connecting. And uh, again, he had another one of his little posh boy tantrums in the end. I can't believe I've missed this. But he will come good. But uh, I'd hoped he'd get another as well as the penalty. Speaking of people coming good, do we think Izzy Brown is ever going to get on the pitch? Because he's been coming back in the under-23s for months and never plays. And Dallas mm. has played, has he played one or maybe two games? <laughs> and then is the, the man chosen to come on? There was a moment when, when they decided Dallas was coming on, they called down to whether he's warming up. And Izzy Brown, I saw him, he did put his hand to his chest. It's like, me? Are you bringing me on? And then you see Stuart Dallas running down. He's like, I guess you're not. No. <laughs> Stuart Dallas was warming up throughout all of half time and 
pretty much the entire time of the second half until he came on. I'd have been absolutely knackered. It's something. That, uh, <laughs> but you're not a professional footballer, mate. Sorry. Well, well that, I mean, that's uh, arguably true, but I've not I'm yet to be, receive any money for it. Yazy Brown starting to feel like, you know, the last puppy in the shelter, you know, the one that they use on the adverts to tug at your heartstrings. Poor lad, he's never going to get on. In the end, though, three points, the most important thing, I guess. Happy with that? Just about. Just make it more comfortable for me, please. Well, that took us to second with Norwich winning 3-2, having been 2-1 down to Bristol City. And at the time of recording, we're into the second half of the Sheffield United visit to West Brom. They are in front at the minute. So we are sitting third. Not good enough. Bielsa out? Is it? Is it time? <laughs> no, kidding. We just got to keep doing it, haven't we? Just got to keep winning and get to the end of the season and just hope it's all right. It was enjoyable at one stage, wasn't it? But not anymore. That's it. It's just about getting to the end of it now. It's the fear we we were talking about before Christmas of just saying that we really could do without actually trying to get promoted because it's just going to be annoying and stressful and upsetting. It would be much easier to just not bother. I think I want to though. Be promoted. Yeah. Or oh, being promoted is fine. It's just the bit along the way is just doesn't seem to be a lot of fun, I've noticed. Nice weather though today at Ellen Road. It's suddenly turned into spring and you know what you need for spring, don't you? A new wardrobe. Not a physical wardrobe. Stuff to go in it, I mean. Clothing. Our clothing. Specifically ours, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could do what Marcelo does when he's out and about, which is just wear branded clothing. Obviously just wear our clothing. You can put your own initials on it, maybe. Get them, get them stitched on. Make people think you're a big deal. Not a service we offer, but you will have to no, do it yourself. No, no, I mean, you're looking resplendent there, Michael, in your uh, khaki green uh, hooded top there, which I, I really like. Moscow, you, are you hiding square ball merch under there? <laughs> oh, dear me. It's like Lamrani D clothing, isn't it? Look at that. That's that's the sweater and underneath. It's good podcast, this. Sweater and T-shirt. You can get yeah. all those, by the way, if you want to look as cool as we do, and we clearly <laughs> really do. Uh, you can grab all that at thesquareball.net. And that's where you'll find the famous Leeds Carajo mugs as well. Not quite sure how we're going to make it through this week uh, with two big games coming up, but we will preview those shortly. First this, I think we kicked off a couple of podcasts ago when Moscow spotted Paul Butler in Costa Coffee in Knotsford in Cheshire. Places where you've seen our ex-players, the more obscure the better, or the more esoteric detail also makes us smile as well. Who have we got? This is very different to Paul Butler disrupting my life by just turning up in a coffee shop where he had no reason or right to be. Um, he should be banned from the mall, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, Luciano Bacchio was exactly where he should have been, which was wearing a Leeds United kit before a Leeds United game. Friendly and Bodmin, according to Chris Colley, who is uh, the proud possessor of a photograph of Luciano Bacchio with his wife. Although you say where footballer should be. Bodmin, not a known football team really, is it? Close to Casa Warnock, that Yeah, right? entirely motivated by Neil Warnock being able to walk there from his house. The dig. Would you hand your wife over to Luciano Becchio, Michael? I see no reason not to. You might bring her back. Improved for the experience, whatever the experience is, probably a... Um, Steak dinner. Yes, that's what I was going to say, a very uh, a fulfilling barbecue. I quite enjoy um, Tom Leake's one where he saw Paddy Kisnobo in... Sainsbury's White Rose with three baguettes and a cake which he did a pithy tweet about and then um, his wife sent a message back saying he should keep his nose out of other people's business Paddy Kisnobo's wife that is I assume yeah that's a lot of baguette that <laughs> I think that's maybe why she was annoyed she was like don't talk about the baguettes the cake I assume is absolutely fine easily explained away uh, it's Pad- a single cake That's I think that's fine depends how big it was whether we're going to smear it on the baguettes maybe this is kind of sick thing that Kisnobo's got up to 
mentioning barbecue there, it reminds me of the other one. Uh, George D tweeted to say that it spotted uh, Mark Viduca and Morrison's in Weatherby once after a game, eating a rotisserie chicken straight out of the bag, doing his shopping after a match, which I quite like. Seems very Viduca, that. Very Henry VIII, full rotisserie, just biting lumps off it, slinging the bones over the, uh, over the produce. Well, if you can top that foul play, thank you. Get in touch, let us know who you've seen. Well, following on in the footsteps of the uh, Leeds United Twitter account getting all sassy, it was nice to see Angus Kinnear, not a man you would associate with sass, getting a little bit sassy and giving us some details in the Bolton programme today. A, a number of things to um, to pick out from this. You say we wouldn't expect sassiness. He has been ramping this up over the course of the season. I've not had time coming straight from the match to, to collect any of Angus's greatest hits. But if you've been keeping an eye on his programme notes, stuff like this has become more prevalent. Stuff like if the EFL had wanted to justifiably deduct Leeds United points, they should have done so last year for our attempted crest change, is the uh, the culmination of quite a long rant about the um, the Spygate outcome. Not quite on a level with our ranting about it, I, I don't think. But he does uh, say that... Uh, I know that our fans uh, spotted the clear inverse correlation between the level of mock outrage displayed by pundits talking about Spygate and the quality of their playing careers. Meow. Ooh, sister. It's uh, it's pretty strong. And yeah, he is uh, making some serious points about other clubs choosing to publicly make and leak more serious and completely false allegations. And then he goes all Alanis Morissette's by claiming that this was very ironic when our ultimate charge fell under treating member clubs with utmost good faith, which Angus says is not the way that Leeds have been treated by the uh, other clubs who've been chipping in and commenting and demanding for us to have uh, points deducted and our manager deported. He doesn't actually say that, but that, that was the implication. Basically, yeah. I mean, Peter Shilton wanted him sending back to Italy. Italy. Mm. Marcelo Bielsa, when he was asked about it in his press conference in the week, simply said, yes, I am happy it is over. Which I think a lot of the journalists in the room probably went, oh, oh give us something. We wanted to go and like spit in Martin Keon's face, which is not, uh, if you've read about Paul Lintz's encouragement to Tom Ince <laughs> yes. as a child, apparently he used to spit in his face to make him play better. So I think, also, really? on a related point mm-hmm. to this, let's get Sam Wissoyes back from Getafe. Let's go back in time to last season. Instead of banning him for six weeks, let's make him King of Wales for six weeks for spitting in the face of the Newport player. But that's a that's a side issue. I am glad that the, the club has shown some balls and some sass. He has made a valid point saying, you know, we could have chosen, given the lies that have been told by the people, we could choose to pursue this with the AFL to say these clubs are not acting in good faith to us. They are essentially spreading lies about this situation to make our situation worse. But we're just going to leave it. It's interesting. He says that the AFL have proactively asked whether we wanted to make formal complaints, but we decided it was better to be the bigger person. But that does make me wonder if it was like Sean Harvey going like, have you heard what they're saying about you? It's not good. So if you want to say something about them, just stirring it up because he knows that he's going. So Mm -hmm. he wants to leave the maximum war zone behind him that he possibly can. The fact we're leaving it, though, I agree with. But I do hope that Bielsa manages to sue Frank Lampard for every fucking penny he's got (laughs) for defamation of character. And then when Lampard's sacked from Derby, which he will be, because he's not going to be there forever. He has to use that money to to live off for the rest of his life because he's untouchable. I'm still reeling from that Paul Ince revelation. That's incredible. Because my little lad's seven, you know, and I've never thought once, you know, when he sat there doing his maths homework and he gets one wrong, I never thought about once about spitting in his face. So encourage him. Yeah, I think it was Tom Inns saying that, um, yeah, when when he had a bad game when he was younger, his dad used to like get right in his face and shout at him. Get right up in his grill. Yeah. Why aren't you doing your long division right, you little bastard? 
But that's Paul Ince. It's hardly surprising. You can call me governor, not dad. <laughs> so yeah, nice to have a bit of humility out of Angus because I guess they've got to laugh at the whole salute badge thing. But also interesting, plans to go uh, bigger on the stadium. We're going to need a bigger boat, as Angus said. Uh, yeah, that's the exact quote, which is... Um pretty much all the detail we have about any uh, expansion plans. He's talking about how it's clear from the season ticket demand and as we talked about last time that they're not going to be offering any new season tickets for sale. I'm not entirely sure about this idea of moving Elland Road, taking it to the ocean. I'm quite happy with Leeds United playing in a football stadium in Leeds 11 on the ground. This playing football in a bigger boat business seems a little bit ostentatious. I don't know if this is one of the fancy ideas that Aspire Academy have come to them with from Qatar saying, well, over there, we just spend 20 billion and we just build an ocean liner and we put the, we put the team stadium on that and just float it through the world's oceans. And it's like a, perhaps it's a brand building exercise. Maybe this summer tour that we're going on to Australia, we're actually going to be playing matches en route on uh, uh, the good ship Elland Road. They'll probably keep that for the heritage interest, so it'll still be named after um, <laughs> after the old place. I'm picturing that it'll be a pretty much a, a replica just with of the stadium as is, just with greater capacity for maybe 250,000 people to watch a game out on the ocean waves and then afterwards take a dip in, in the pool or maybe go to the, uh, the ballroom. They may be dancing and an orchestra there, just no icebergs. That's all we need to avoid. It's a confusing plan, but it's good to see that Leeds United are at the forefront. Spurs, with their uh, their non-existent cheese room and stuff, seems to be taking a, a lead on other people in stadium uh, development. We're going uh, one better. Leeds United leapfrogging. You'll probably end up in the sea if you're late. Leapt frogged. I don't know how it would work. Anyway. Let's talk about this cheese room. I'm interested. If if they put a cheese room into Leeds, I'd be interested in that. I like cheese. You realise it wouldn't be like Dairy Lee and stuff. It's not going to be All just right. a room full of baby bells. I think the idea was like Brie and other Gorgonzola. I think those are the two fancy cheeses I know. You shop in Aldi. Come on, name some cheese. Um, sliced. Melted. Orange. The orange one, yep. That's a good one. But Tottenham are denying that there was ever any plan for a cheese room because I think they phased out of their plans, whereas... Tottenham have phased out their stadium plan. They're just never (laughs) going to open the thing. Whereas Leeds United cannot deny that Leeds United will be an ocean-going undertaking from now on because it's here in black and white from Angus Guinea's own face. Now we're off the hallucinogenics. They're talking about massive West End, development over the cop and probably the corners in between. Um, Rumours from the stadium tour seem to be 57,000 is what they're aiming at, which that'd be nice. Because I do love, as you were saying in the last podcast, Moscow, love Ellen Road dearly, but mm. it's a shithole, isn't it? It's been pointed out that we're kind of all attached to it and everything, but it's kind of all new-ish. Like new bits get have been added many times, but because it's never been changed in its entirety, it's a bit of a trigger's broom thing from Only Fools and Horses versus he's had seven, you know, seven new handles and six new heads on it or whatever. It's 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 always managed to stay recognisable even though it's changed completely over the years. It's like Pamela Anderson, isn't it? Technically the same person, but not. Take David Haig's opinion on this. He's the authority on Pamela Anderson. Would you like to see that then, a big-ass uh, West Stands? I mean, the West Stand is pretty dismal, it has to be said. It's one, of the, it's one of the worst stands. If we were promoted, it would be one of the worst stands in the Premier League has ever seen. You say that. But Crystal Palace still playing a shed. Watford's mm-hmm. went up. Burnley as well. That absolute. Well, do you remember when Watford went I'm forgetting up, how many crap teams are in the Premier League, actually. Yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, Bournemouth's really hasn't changed since the fourth division and they're talking about a whole new stadium at some point. So they're still cracking on in, in the old thing. Yeah, there's a lot that can be done. I would hope that we've got through, we're quite successful in a way that 
it didn't happen with Ridsdale. So that if we do ditch the ocean liner plan and go with just expanding the stadium as it is, we're out the other side of that identikit bowl and people pay more attention to the design and the architecture of a football ground now than they did 15 years ago. So the chances of somebody coming along and respecting the character that is there are quite good. Costs money though. So that would be the other, the flip side of it is whether we can actually afford nice things. I've got a question for you. Would you like to see the tunnel in the West Stand put on the halfway line or would you like them to leave it in its own slightly weird off-centre position now if we were to rebuild? Depends what we do with the the South Stand because that is originally off kilter because they moved the pitch north to make room for the South Stand and now there's still not room for a South Stand that's big enough. So people have kind of raised the idea that we can move a new North Stand even further north, create more room for an even bigger South Stand so that the the tunnel would almost be in the corner. (laughs) But then if you look where the East Stand is, you would have then half of the East Stand is facing the side of the new <laughs> South like the old, Stand. the old West Stand that goes out over Ellen Road. And you'd have this massive gap. So it would almost be like, because that was the thing that Leeds had for years, it was the big gap where they were supposed to build in a corner. John Howe's book, The Only Place for Us, A to Set of Ellen Road, buy it if you've not got it, because it's brilliant and he's great. And it'll tell you about where all these gaps were. So we could maybe create as part of our sort of <laughs> centenary celebrations and respecting our own heritage, just build like a big derelict hole uh, <laughs> next to the East Stand, maybe start some uh, foundations and then not bother and just leave it there for 20 years. And that would be a, a great nod to our history. And to loop back to the badge issue as well, we've had a slight tweak to the uh, to the shield design, which I'm not entirely sold on. But no. especially for the centenary season that uh, they've removed the script from down the middle. Obviously you will have seen it and they've put Leeds United over the top. This seems to be motivated by a desire to have the words Leeds United on the badge rather than just LUFC because people know what Leeds United is, whereas perhaps not so much with LUFC when it comes to branding opportunities around the world. Anyway, what do you make of it? Uh, the main bit of the badge is completely meaningless is my main issue with it. Before at least it was sort of intersected with the LUFC and it was, I don't know, it had more leads about it. This is really just a bit of pattern with a very small white rose at the top of it or monotone rose, whatever it's going to be. It's a bag of chevrons. So we're left with LUFC was the the centre of everything in the old badge and then the the diagonals either side, the chevrons all kind of came off that and the gap at the top was the space for the rose. Everything kind of worked around LUFC. You take that out and that's you're just left with a bag of chevrons. It doesn't make any sense. The solution, I think it's um, Ellen Reed on Twitter, who's a good illustrator and a good designer, and with the input of a few other people, just took the existing badge and then added the scroll at the top that says Leeds United. It's fine. You don't have to take LUFC off to put Leeds United on it's almost, they were doing the right thing, tweaking it, especially after the disaster last time that Angus is now laughing through gritted teeth about. And they've probably done the right thing as well, not doing a big reveal because I always remember that the press release for the last one said, this will be the badge that will take Leeds United into its next 100 years. And within five hours it had been cancelled and we're an international laughing stock and apologising on the radio. So it's all right, just put it out there. But And yeah, and tweaking the existing one is probably a good solution for the scenery. Don't go too dramatic, but they tweak too much, less tweaking. Almost as if just leaving it as it was, even for the centenary, would have been fine. And just find some way of adding this adding the words Leeds United. It's, it was possible. So they're really, really close. Really close. Just look at what's on the shirt now. 
It's good, that. Well, it's not good. I mean, I never really liked the one we've got, but... It's fine. It's fine. We were made to appreciate the current badge a lot more by the um, the redesign, weren't we? Yeah. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, the one we've got's nice. And even looking at this one, is you, you you take the LUFC out, and you're like, oh, actually, I quite liked it when it, was, when it was there. I mean, it's only for a season, that's one thing, but it's only for the most important season possible, like our return to the Premier League, possibly. Definitely. And, and the centenary celebration. I don't know. Maybe it'll look good. Do you know what? Like everything else with Leeds United, I'm sure we'll get used to it. Let's move on to the injuries then. Roof confirmed as four to eight weeks. Not good. Hilarious that Bielsa touched on this with references to the Lord, which will bring us on to the blasphemy baton shortly. They say that God is sometimes harsh, but he never hangs people. Ha <laughs> We'll see how God behaves with us. So if Marcelo Bielsa is hung by God over the rest of the season, I'd like to know Nathan Jones's opinion about that. Never really pictured God as a hangman. Thankfully, uh, Jack Clark, just a little virus he's got and he'll be back in a bit. Good to hear. Although it depends what the virus is, was. Do you want to get into the technicalities? Virus is a... Well, I mean, if it's Ebola, then we probably want to give that one a swerve. As long as he didn't pick it up off Sean Harvey, I'm sure he'll make a full recovery. <laughs> I think that's fine. It could've, that's fine. He could have got Ebola off him. He could have got anything. He could have got... Could just be a cold. It could just be some sort of sniffle. Exactly. Or... time to move on into the blasphemy battle we've had some suggestions as well for renaming this what it is by the way is because Nathan Jones manager of Stoke who just can't buy a win from anywhere he summoned the power of the Lord the Almighty to defeat us in our game a little while ago and they were beaten by Preston thus Preston inherited the blasphemy baton and have been in possession of it ever since we've had suggestions to rename the God Rod which I quite like Mm. and the Jesus Javelin which feels a little bit more disrespectful Feels a bit more like a penis, does the um, the Jesus javelin? I'm not quite comfortable with it. Maybe we just go all out with either the pontiff penis, the divine dick. That's that's got a certain ring to it. Pope's plonker. Good. Well, I, I can sort of tell by looking at Dan that he's feeling like my religious segment. This is all building up to you, like getting the gig presenting songs of praise or something, isn't it? So us <laughs> us messing around blaspheming Jesus's actual member um, <laughs> that's being gripped firmly by Preston. Preston, though, I'm just looking, since they've been in uh, possession of this, now only six points off the playoffs. Incredible stuff, because they, uh, they trounced Millwall. Well, they were 3 up at one point anyway, weren't they, today? They could be the team to beat us in the playoffs. I would not be surprised at all. It would be the uh, the same power that Nathan Jones used to beat us at Stoke the other week, coming back to uh, haunt us yet again. Maybe, the Holy Ghost. Maybe they'll just hang on to it until we play them and then we rightfully inherit our uh, place in God's firmament. Because mm. they've, they've had a really good run of Preston as well as Bristol, haven't they? They've beat Stoke, then they drew with Derby, beat Bolton, beat Norwich, drew with Forest, beat Millwall. Yeah, Marcelo Bielsa is talking more in terms that God is going to actually literally hang him rather than favour uh, his promotion in any way. So I'm doubtful that we're going to get any favours from heaven. Well, their next one is against Inform Bristol City, who lost today to Norwich, but they've been good recently. So it'll be interesting, an interesting test of the uh, the Lord's divine power, particularly as we've got Bristol City coming up in a few weeks as well, not far off. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, we've got a thrilling three-letter week coming up, QPR and WBA. You don't hear them referred to as that very often, do you, West Brom? They're on the way. We'll preview that in a sec. First, this, the important part of the podcast, it feels like to many. The heart and the soul of the podcast, the anger, the bitterness, the recrimination. Heroes and villains. First of all, we do villains. The Kent Bates Villainy Award, somebody who has made us feel a wee bit sad. Ken Bates, because it's his award, as is tradition since we founded this many years ago now. He gets the first nomination, this time for what? It's not strictly his fault, but I feel like Chelsea's... Is child trafficking the technical term for what they've been doing? I don't know if that's the phrase that uh, FIFA or UEFA used, but certainly they've been caught blue-handed messing about with the contracts of actual children in a way that uh, the football authorities don't like. There are ways of turning talented young children into cash cows for billionaire football clubs. And the way Chelsea have been doing it ain't the way. So they've been fined 400 grand. And just because whenever Chelsea do something, I think of Ken Bates sitting up there in the West Stand in his coat made of a dead dog. He They brought him back to my mind. And so re- reverse that, blame Ken Bates for all of it, even though technically I'm sure the investigation will not prove any links between him and any of the wrongdoing. I guess um, it won't prove the links. <laughs> no, we'd like to state very clearly there are no links. Um, <laughs> for I think, the, I think the sake of humour. And just getting some legal advice. Yes, that's what I meant. So Ken Bates, and also because he's Ken fucking Bates. We don't always need a reason. Just to tag on to Ken Bates as well, he, he won't win it this week because he shouldn't win it twice, but I, it was Blackpool fans I saw pointing out on um, on Twitter about the, the fine and everything, that we've essentially been fined for breaking no rules. And the reason the EFL always gave the, the, for not sorting out Blackpool was, look, they've not broken any rules. It's almost like the EFL could act if they chose when and where they think that it's appropriate to intervene. They have that power but they haven't thought it appropriate anywhere else apart from maybe they didn't maybe yeah they did not realized that they could make a new rule i mean are you wanting to hold the whole efl responsible that seems very i don't know general a little bit over the top is there any particular individual you I might think, like to no i think it's comes down to Sean Harvey at the end of the day. It's all about leadership, isn't it? I imagine other people were probably suggesting it in meetings and he was shutting them down. I didn't expect to hear his name come up in this. It's, it well, feels, yeah. it's an easy one. It feels like know. it's just come out of nowhere recently, you know. He's almost becoming as ubiquitous as Ken Bates was. And uh, related to, if we want to stick with the sort of, that was a tangential reference to uh, Spygate, Daryl Clark, another name who really had no reason to prop up again, but he 
has given his view on Spygate and it's particularly irritating. Where he is the guy who, before Massimo Cellino, in the summer when he was saying that he was tired of uh, British managers, he couldn't work with another British manager, he just got rid of, well, I think Steve Evans was still in post when he was saying this and he was off to Italy to go and get a proper manager. Um, he offered it to Daryl Clark and he thought about it for a weekend and he said no. And he's come back complaining. We'll just do this briefly. His main thing is about... Uh, that there aren't enough opportunities for uh, British managers in Britain because uh, it's as if foreign managers have reinvented the wheel, but they haven't. Coming over here, taking our jobs. Reinventing the wheel, but they've not. Um, But what I loved about this is uh, he said, uh, the Leeds United manager is doing his PowerPoint presentation the other week and everyone's going, that's amazing. Well, no, it's not. It's what's being done up and down the country in most changing rooms. It's just we haven't done a presentation. I can do you a PowerPoint presentation and you'll be thinking, wow, what a man. On the one hand, you could dismiss this as the rantings of somebody who recently got sacked by Bristol Rovers and never took up the opportunity to have the biggest job of his life at Leeds United. But on the other hand, there is a point in there where he's not the only person to go on about like, well, I could do a presentation like that. But the flip side of this is Frank Lampard is so paranoid about any aspect of his training being seen outside his training ground that he's putting up massive fences and spent two months of his life making a massive stink complaint to all and sundry about being spied upon. You can't have it both ways. You can either say, I could do a presentation like that and you'd think I was the greatest person ever. Well, bloody do it then. And maybe people will think that Daryl Clark is the manager that they'd want and they won't just think he's a bit of a sad act joke and then go and hire Marcelo Bielsa who actually presents himself as a competent and properly prepared analytical genius. And it's the willful misreading of it as well. I think that's what really uh, got my go on this one. It's because that wasn't what it was about and we all know that wasn't what it was about. It was about him saying, I do all this and it's basically useless. Yes, the idea, it says more about the people who interpret it this way that they think Marcelo Bielsa was standing up going, look at me and how great I am. Because that's, that's, you know, what Marcelo Bielsa does all the time is just bang on about how brilliant he is. They're just idiots if they think that way. And it says it's more about um, their own egos than uh, the Marcelo Bielsa's. Does he have an ego, Marcelo Bielsa? I mean, I suppose everybody has to some extent, but really he keeps it very, 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 very well hidden. Well, maybe his sin is vanity, which we'll come on to. But in the hero section, in a second, I don't want to start tarnishing him. Surely mm. there must be some villains we could pick out of today because there's quite a lot of... Uh, Bad behaviour, vulgar football going on today against Bolton. There's a few candidates. Surely you've got to at least put Phil Parkinson in there as well because he might have seriously hurt Pontus Janssen's feelings by flicking the bird at him as he got sent off. The little clip during the rounds of it, he's having a little chip at Pontus for something. I've been trying to lip read it and all I can see him saying is, you have broken my heart to Pontus. And he sort of, he does like a middle finger up while pointing at his heart. And I think he's sort of saying, hurts me there. That's hurt me, Pontus. Yeah. I just, I don't know why it is about him. I, I've just never liked him. He seems across as like a shit bully. Not even a hard one. Just like a narky little tosser, does Parkinson. <laughs> I think it might be from his Bradford days, I don't know. Always plays shit football. It seems to have always been direct and boring. But seems to have like an inflated opinion of himself, maybe. Yeah, he, he, I've not heard him talk about it, but I'm sure he thinks he's a better manager than Bielsa as well, because he knows the English game. Strikes me as that kind of a man. Yeah, put put Bielsa in my position at Bolton where the players aren't being paid, blah, blah, blah. See what he would do. Bueno, we are <laughs> promoted to the Premier League. By no means as guilty as Parkinson. I reckon we've got a chuck uh, Clayton Donaldson in there for some hijinks today. Yeah. High tackles on uh, Luke Ayling. Washing lined him through the face. Tried to kill Bill, tell. didn't he? Tried to kill Bill. 
Very good. Thank you. And spent a lot of time rolling around as well. Did a couple, I think there was a couple of times their players were trying to make out they've been elbowed and things. I don't know if that was probably mm. Parkinson's instructions, I would say. It was uh, Donaldson that matches Click barged off the ball as mm. well. So having criticised Click earlier for being sort of a bit of a soft touching midfield, he did go up against the biggest bully and knock him yeah, over. But Donaldson to... was going down easily for everything and mainly getting it, it has to be said. Yes, it's true. And and I had to look this guy's name up because I'd never heard of him before and I'll forget his name after today as well. Joseph Williams, who was playing 21 for them. When when they scored for some reason, he was taking it upon himself to like go to the cop. He's on loan from Everton. I don't know what his problem is. And isn't he the one that then clattered into Alioski, had water poured on him by um, Max's <laughs> click and got booked for the big brawl. So he had quite an exciting few minutes, all apparently inspired by... Gianni Alioski. You wouldn't have thought a player that would provoke that kind of extremity of emotion. I like him. Any more or should we pick ourselves a winner? I think that's everyone. And I think guided by the bile that Michael has been spilling in his direction is a fairly clear winner. Parkinson. Yeah. Oh, I'm pleased with that. Are you happy? Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to go along with that if it makes you happy. Good. Yeah, for, the, for being a classless jerk and also for making Bolton play well today. Like, where were they against Norwich? This is a valid point. And there were a bunch of time-wasted bastards. All the usual things from these dreadful teams that keep coming in, interrupting our march to glory. Fuck him. <laughs> Phil Parkinson takes that. Then let's move on to this. The Andy Hughes Hero Award. Recognition for somebody who has brought us happiness across the last week. And who would you like to nominate? A rare nomination in this category for him, but Neil Warnock. He just made me smile on Friday for losing 5-1 and blaming the referee for them not winning. I just thought, ah, bless you, Neil. Never change. It was all about psychology as well, because they'd had this penalty denied just before half-time. And he said that it was all the players could talk about it at half-time. And then when they went out in the second half, they couldn't stop thinking about it. It's like, isn't that sort of your job? And he was laughing off. I was like, yeah, I tried to get it out of their heads, but they, they, just, they were just fixated on it. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything with it. I couldn't do a thing with them. They're Premier League footballers and you're a Premier League fucking manager. You well, can't. no, he's not. He's a, he's, a, he's a manager in the Premier League. He's not a Premier League manager. Very good point. But either way, he should surely be capable of getting 11 professional footballers to concentrate, but apparently not. But still, he'll take home his wages for the week. Hey, Sharon, have another golden fucking cow, whatever he, <laughs> whatever he gets from the garage. I assume the, the garage down there probably just gets solid gold cows in on the forecourt just so once a week when he's driving home. Hey, Get our Sharon another solid gold card. Oh, you're still selling them. Uh, they, they must go like hotcakes around here. Uh, no, Mr. Warnock, uh, there seem to be just one customer for these, but thank you for your custom. <laughs> A compare and contrast with Marcelo Bielsa, and the reason why we mentioned him, and maybe vanity being his sin, tales of the hairdresser, of the barber's chair, and a tale from LUFC Calypso, whose barber seems to trim Bielsa's hair. And what a tale this is, though. Because you always want the barber to do a good job when you go in there, you know, to make you look nice. Yeah, I don't think Marcelo Bielsa's solution to this is vanity particularly because the the story seems to be that he goes in there with a, a picture of himself and asks for his haircut to be cut like the man in the picture, which would be... We've all done it at some point. It would perhaps be vain if the picture wasn't a cutting from an Argentinian magazine from about 10 years ago that it sounds like he's probably just kept in his pocket ever since it came out, I go, oh, I guess that's my hair. I'll just keep asking for that from now on. He's probably having to look between all the, the wrinkles and the tears and the folds to try and work out what, it, what his head's actually supposed to look like. But um, the idea of him just pulling out of his wallet, this old wizened off, probably looks 20 years younger. So I'm still the same. It's not vanity, he just can't be asked. I like his attention to detail as well, because he's got that same haircut now. He's not mm. reverting to another haircut. Most people would trust you could go into a barber's and be like, just take a bit off. 
imagine this, but a bit shorter, but he's not taking that chance. No. He's done the the, the legwork for them. He's like, just in case you weren't sure what this looked like, if it was a, <laughs> if it was like a centimetre shorter all over, this is it. A man of precision, you might say. The only way this could have been more Bielsa would be if he was going in there with a PowerPoint presentation, like opening up the laptop and say, well, I, I've had 20 people working on my... Uh, the evolution of hair. hair for, for the last week. Is and it fair to say Daryl Clark has shit hair? I've not even looked at his hair, but I'll, I'll assume so. I doubt he pays uh, that much attention. But I bet you could see him coming out of uh, the salon and you'd say, wow, what a man. And while we're on the subject of hairdressers, um, you're like, you wrote this down on our, our prep sheet as Bielsa's uh, hairdresser actually being nominated as the hero for humouring Bielsa. Um, Gianni Alioski's hairdresser probably needs a, like a permanent nomination for humouring him. Although I kind of suspect Alioski might be the kind of person, he, he must do all his dye jobs himself. Yeah, clearly. Um, that's, that's just hours in the bathroom after training, nothing better to do. May as well just try another colour. But yeah, Chief Piss Boiler is what we're in it. He's, he's had an exceptional game today. Not offside as, I don't think he was caught not, offside not once. once, but he was very, very, very close. I was watching in line and I found myself just fascinated by him going offside and then the ball not coming over. And then the play, it wasn't him staying on. It was the defence getting back. And he was exceptionally annoying, probably to everybody on both teams, fans of both teams critical, crucial part in the the brawl and Phil Parkinson's sending off and a brilliant goal to a, a match-winning moment of genius that really only a player like Alioski, and I say that with all sincerity, <laughs> only a player like Gianni Alioski could have scored that goal. For me, he's a clear front-runner for this award because he's, he's had a strong week as Gianni, a strong showing, but is there anybody else before we pick a winner? Probably not going to win, but I think he's worthy of mentioning Matt Letizia. Over the Spygate thing, Keown was putting himself out there, wasn't he, as a voice of authority and things. But apparently on the, in the Man City game this week, um, he was doing co-coms and he said, um, when Aguero was subbed off, he said, you don't see that very often. And Matt Letizia pointed out on Twitter that Aguero has been subbed in 17 of his 21 appearances this season. Just showing up Keown for the know-nothing fucking idiot that he is. With easily available statistics. Yeah, I mean, that's the sort of thing that you might have written down in front of you if you're doing co-commentary, those sort of things. But Keon's probably not read it, doesn't need to. Definitely an outsider, but I want to give it to Alioski. Does anybody have any objections to that? Because he's great. Nah, he's an idiot, but he's our idiot. Yeah, I'm really enjoying Alioski this season. He's the funnest player we've had for a long time. And imagine him if we do win promotion. Alioski at the heart of the the, uh, the celebrations just might outdo Andy Hughes' breakdancing in 2010. So for that alone... Yeah, a good strong week. Congratulations. Well, we are now aware that Sheffield United have won at West Bromwich Albion, which adds quite a lot of significance to our trip to QPR on Tuesday. We need that win to go top. Yeah, it'll be fine, won't it? Yay! Pressure. Pressure's good. It's what it's what everybody uh wants at this stage. It's actually no, it's it's the last thing we wanted at this stage of the season. Can we just go back to being fifteenth and then QPR away on a Tuesday night, a rearranged game, back in the days when we were just heading directly to 15th. It's the kind of game you could just have ignored. Like, you might not even... Yeah, you won't bother, would you? Bother, you just, oh, I'll see what the score is in the morning. Maybe I'll watch on, on Twitter. I mean, I say that, but obviously I would have religiously just, even if, if I wasn't there, I'd be glued <laughs> to the radio because I can't let it go. But I'm not sure why this this should be the crunch match. It's QPR, 
the reason it's a crunch match is because they rearranged it. If it had been played at the appointed time, when they were freely available to do so, as I have said, I know this is the third week in a row that I'm banging on about this. Triple whammy you've made this joke. They did not have, it's not even a joke. It's just another example of the corruption that is being used to keep us down in this division. Queen's Park Rangers did not have a game at three o'clock on the Saturday when they were due to be playing us played on the Friday night before. So we could have played this at the allotted time. Instead, it's become this incredibly tense built-up match crammed in between us playing Bolton and then West Brom on the Friday. It's not even as if we have the gap to Saturday to recover. I know this is kind of a side angle to the, the whole game, but I'm intrigued as to whether Marcelo Bielsa will fit in a press conference on Monday, I guess, because he hates doing them. I've heard previously that when they've had midweek games and he's had to do three press conferences in a week. He does get a bit sulky about it all. So they're upsetting Marcelo Bielsa as well. Bastards. QPR are in terrible form, it is worth noting. So we we should be have some degree of confidence going into this. What form are they in? Well, they're in 18th position at the minute and they're sort of nine points clear of the relegation places. So they're not going to go down. They've got nothing to, nothing to play for. So should let us win, really. There's a bizarre game the other week against, Q, uh, against um, Birmingham where they went four down and then missed a penalty in the last minute which would have equalised it but yeah they're not very good but then Bolton weren't very good Swansea weren't very good we but we did win these pattern. games maybe it's going to be fine I'm happy to us to win 2-1 every game I don't have an issue with it well that was um, Marcelo Bielsa's pre-Bolton assessment of how the game would go which I I did like and he, he almost outlined his philosophy of football in uh, uh, at least one aspect of it where he said that we are focused on winning that's our first goal then we are focused on deserving to win. And then we will try to get the biggest goal difference possible. So it's like the three the three stages. You try to win by any means necessary. You try to then be good enough to win like you deserved it. So you did win with a bit of style and then try and score as many goals as possible to make it as resounding as possible. And that's fair. That's all right. If we keep doing that this season, it was a little bit like that with the, the Bolton game today. We, we won and we just about deserved to win, but we couldn't crack that as many goals as possible part. But we should be all right. Uh, whoscored.com tells me that Queen's Park Rangers are very weak at defending against skillful players. So if we just send out a team as usual, Pablo, 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 just Pablo, just play Pablo everywhere. How many Pablos have we got? Well, there's Pablo Correga on the staff. Maybe if we can uh, <laughs> stick a 19 shirt on him and just send him out on the pitch next to Hernandez, we'll double up the Pablos. I do like the way that uh, Bielsa says Pablo in the press conferences. Reminds me of watching Narcos as well. I got quite into that on Netflix not so long ago. So I really hope that um, Luke Ayling hobbled off today and I hope it's not a serious injury. But if it does mean that Shackleton comes back into the team, I might deal with that for a while. So QPR is a must win, but is it a win? It's that Tuesday night, night games at Loftus Road. I just have bad memories of uh, of that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, like the Bolton game, we'll win, we'll win. We'll be fine against QPR. Yeah. Michael, will we? If you say so. You're not confident? No, not confident about anything. I was speculating on the way here. I gave Moscow a lift and I was like, I'm worried we might not be very good anymore. <laughs> we were really good earlier in the season and I, I was happy with it, but I, I'm worried we're sort of scraping wins against crap teams because maybe we're not like good anymore. I suggest we will probably, if we don't find out against QPR on Tuesday, we will definitely find out at home to WBA. On Friday, I've got, I know I mentioned who scored.com, my ever reliable source of everything. And just flicking backwards and forwards between the, the kind of stats, QPR's top goal scorers both have six goals and West Brom's top goal scorers, one has 17, the other has 16. Ah. So you're seeing the difference in kind of um, ability. QPR's 
one very strong thing is defending set pieces. West Brom's very strong things, finishing scoring chances, okay. counter-attacks and attacking down the wings. That's three. And that's before we get even get on to the things that they're just strong at. Um, be interesting to see if Bielsa's learned from the first game. I know we were a little, a tiny bit threadbare in that first game at the Hawthorns, weren't we? But uh, will we turn it around this time? The Championship is a bit of a random league. You never quite know what's going to happen in any given game. We could turn up and just play them off the park like we did Derby, but we'll probably lose 4-0. I think the the result at um, West Brom was worse than it should have been because we had that real salvo of conceding goals quickly. Um, where we were just all over the place for a few minutes defensively. And this will thrill um, you, Moscow, but Bailey Peacock-Farrell was at fault for a couple of those, I seem to remember. So we have a different goalkeeper who... Uh, I imagine uh, he's got those in his video library, to be honest. Kiko, today, against Bolton, I I would suggest he was not faultless. The goal that uh, Bolton scored was from a, a corner when Kiko was being marked quite closely on the line, and he started coming went back and then they had a free header that he saved and then there was the, the chain reaction of shots that ended up going in. So it, it did start with a bit of uh, hesitancy from from a corner. So get Will Huffer in. <laughs> had very good reports from his loan at Barnet. We would say, uh, we didn't mention that our, our injury uh, crisis has deepened with Camille Mazic injuring a finger in the warm-up for an under-23s game when he was only on the bench anyway. It's like Bielsa's talking about God's interference in our injury problems when our, our fourth choice goalkeeper is injuring a finger it's all a little bit too much perhaps we'd off, offered him up for a sacrifice if you must injure one of our players make it Camille but he can't play Will Huffer probably won't play it'll be Kiko and it will yeah we'll, yeah. I'm worried about West Brom they just seem to be everything that we can't compete with they're powerful strong fast aggressive they finish all their chances <laughs> yeah and they're quite a uh, sort of secure at the back as well. Kyle Bartley being present there. Yeah, good players. That's the other thing they've got. I mean, we have good players. But they've won eight of their last 10 away games of West Brom. Does that fill you with dread? What's our home record though? When did we last lose at home? Uh, recently, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Norwich. Oh, but if they lost, uh, what did you say? They've won eight of their last 10 away games. So that's two that they didn't win. So every ying there's a yang. For every uh, Dwight Gale, there's a Jay Rodriguez. It's got a very punchable face as uh, Dwight Gale. Looks like an alien. Just a very odd looking man. And it's good of uh, the Football League to make sure that his ban ends just in time for this game. So his punishment for diving to win a penalty against Nottingham Forest and winning them unearned points was to uh, have a couple of weeks off to get himself fit and fresh, ready to play Leeds United with, uh, with a bee in his bonnet about something to prove as well. So it'll be angered by his ban um, he's probably been in the gym for the next two weeks and he's just going to be and it will be Shackleton playing in, in place of uh, Luke Ayling and he's just going to be absolutely flattened we're going to win both these games you know Thanks. QPR and West Brom I've got yeah I've just got a feeling I'm confident I think we're going to go up you're either confident or you're just mad I'm deluded yes you're maniac well, that pretty much closes out this uh, edition of the Square Ball podcast. Uh, we have another issue of our magazine coming out for the West Brom game as well. So look out for that towards the end of the week. Uh, issue eight, quickly following on the heels of issue seven, then that came out uh, for Swansea. Because the Football League messed about with our fixtures, which was I, th- I thought was bad faith. Just yeah. as long as Michael got to go to the pub instead of selling any magazines, then uh, all is right with the world. 
Well, regardless, issue eight will be out at the weekend. It's going to be another good one as we close out, get towards the back end of the season. If you fancy getting hold of that, you can support us here on the podcast by getting a digital mag sub. It's 12 quid for the year. Get mags from 2009 all the way up to the current issue. View them on your phone, view them on your tablet. Find all that at the squareball.net. And onto something now, it feels like this is becoming a bit of a tradition as we close out the podcast, almost like a one word summary of your feelings as we uh, hurtle another week towards the finishing line, Michael... Terrified. Moscow. In love with Alioski. Not one word, but okay. You can also find mugs and merch and all that sort of stuff via thesquareball.net, and we will speak to you next time. The Squareball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.